Before I began our lesson, I was given a note saying there's a tan GMC extended cab pickup with tag numbers 741GZW. Your lights are on, and you need to go turn those off, or I have some jumper cables after services, and we'll see that you're able to get started. Uh, it's good to be back in the pulpit this morning. Uh, appreciate Brother Steve filling the pulpit last week. He always does a great job. Uh, it's such a privilege to be able to work with Steve. He's such a good man, does such a great job with our young people. And then when he has the privilege of preaching, he does such a tremendous job. And we are thankful that Steve works with us here and looking forward to many years of association with this congregation. This morning, I'd like to address a topic similar to the one I addressed two weeks ago. And that is wise advice on parenting. And as I begin, I would like to point out that I have heard expressed to me several times by young parents who maybe have a child that's three or four weeks old. I sure wish they came with instruction manuals. Many times these, <laughs> uh, many times these young people. Uh, find themselves with their young children and they're, they're like they're sick all night and they're, they're wishing that they had someone to be able to tell them, you know, this is the way that you take care of it, especially when they're sick. Of course, you really wish you had an instruction manual when they turn teenagers. You wish you knew how to rear children. Many people are willing to give advice on child rearing, especially those who don't have any. Uh, I have observed many times that people who do not have children know exactly how you raise children, and then I always laugh when they get their own uh, because you find out it's a much more difficult task. Two weeks ago, the title of the lesson was Wise Advice for Youth. And what we did was to look at the books of Psalms, Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes and see some of the great principles set forth there about young people and how they ought to live. This morning's lesson is going to be very similar in that we're going to look at the wisdom literature and we're going to look at wise advice on parenting. Now in our previous lesson, what I attempted to do was just go verse by verse, but as I began to read Psalms, Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes, I came across with a little different approach on this one. As I began to see, there were a number of different areas, a number of different themes that were developed that were similar. And so I would make a list of one, make a list of another. And I came up with seven things. And these seven are listed before you at this time. And we're going to look at them one by one. We're not going to go real slow through these, so don't think this is going to be one of those lessons where you worry about uh, going into the next hour. But what we want to do is to look at some of these great lessons. Number one is appreciation. And how parents depend, how a person parents depends on how great a degree they love their children. If you love your children, and you love them a lot, you are going to do a lot of good things for them. Let me take you to a few passages. Psalm 127, verses 3 and 4. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. 
The fruit of the womb is his reward. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. When you start thinking about how you view your children, do you appreciate them? Do you look at them as a blessing from God? Or do you look at them as a drudgery? Do you look at something them that is difficult? David would go on to say in Psalm 103 and verse 13, As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. The word pities here means to love with compassion recognizing the the mistakes, the failures, the difficulties, the frailties they have. So a father loves with compassion his children. But you know, too many today do not even have what I call a natural affection. In our country, there is debated all across the country the topic of abortion. And so many people say, well, a woman ought to have a right to choose to terminate, let's call it what it is, let's, they want to kill the life of that unborn child. Anyone who looks at a child as a burden, looks at it as something that is disposable, does not have the right attitude on parenting. Even beyond that, for those who do allow their children to be born, many of them abandon them. That is, they will allow someone else to rear their children, take care of their children, and they have no difficulty going off and leaving their children. And even others physically and mentally and verbally abuse them. You see, if you want to be a good parent, you have to have an appreciation for the children that God has blessed you with. Love your children now. And they will love you later. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, John writes, We love him because he first loved us. The way children learn to love one another and to love their parents is by the way their parents love them and treat them. Proverbs 31, verse 28, talking about that great worthy woman He says, her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. We understand we ought to have an appreciation for our children. Number two is an advisor. In the sense of being a mentor, being an example. Someone that children could look up to and say, that's my... Mother, that's my father. They provide for me an example. In Proverbs 27, the righteous man walks in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. Here's a man who lives a good life. He's righteous. He has some integrity. His children who walk after him are blessed because of that. He's provided them a good name and a good example. In Proverbs 17 and verse 6, Children's children are the crown of old men, and the glory of children is their father. You see, grandpas 
are the ones who want to show you the picture of all their grandchildren. Every cute thing they do, that's what they derive a tremendous amount of pleasure from. But you look down at the children, and they look up to their father. They look to that father for their pattern, for their guidance. Proverbs 16, 31, The silver-haired head is a crown of glory if... It is found in the way of righteousness. You want to be a good parent, be the kind of parent that your children can look up to and respect because you walk in the way of righteousness. Here's an important question. Would you want your children to turn out just like you? Would you like for your children to have your attitudes? Would you like your children to have your spiritual devotion? In Proverbs 8 and verse 32, Now therefore listen to me, my children, for blessed are those who keep my ways. We ought to live so that our children can look at us and say, I want to be just like my mama. I want to be just like my daddy because they're walking in the way of righteousness. Number three is the word admonish. The word admonish in the Bible means to train, to warn, and to correct. It involves discipline. Not all discipline is physical. Some of it is verbal in the sense that someone is doing something, saying something, and we have to correct that. Listen to Proverbs 22, verse 6. You know it by heart. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old... He will not depart from it. Dropping down to verse 15, Foolishness is bound up in the heart of the child. The rod of correction will drive it far from him. I would ask how many of you have been admonished and corrected, but I would dare say most of you, probably all, have been corrected. In Proverbs 23, 13, Solomon writes, do not withhold correction from a child, for if you beat him with a rod, he will not die. The truth is, no parent enjoys exacting discipline upon their children. It's not fun. It's not enjoyable, and so many times people avoid it. But he says, look at that as an opportunity to train Proverbs 29:15 The rod and rebuke give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. There Solomon ties together both the physical and the verbal correction, the rod and rebuke. Both of these are necessary in admonishing your children. It is out of love that parents guide, warn, and admonish their children. When Paul wrote the book of 1 Corinthians, and as well for that matter, 2 Corinthians, he looked at the congregation at Corinth as his children because he had begotten them in the Lord. And here's what he says, I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. I want you to understand how important it is for you to make the corrections I am putting before you. 
Colossians 1.28, Paul would say, Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. What we're looking for is trying to get people to have a life of maturity. And that's why parents admonish their children. Number four is to acknowledge. And the truth is, many children live with no recognition. There's no one who acknowledges the accomplishments that they have made in life. And that's so sad for a child not to have that positive reinforcement. And the reason is because children are going to seek attention, and they will get attention, And sometimes it may be good and sometimes it may be bad. I've observed many children who act out because they never get any good acknowledgement. Listen to Proverbs 20 and verse 11. Every child is known by his deeds whether what he does is pure and right. You can tell even children by the choices they make. Do parents acknowledge the fact that they do things that are good and right? Pat them on the back when they do. Proverbs 15.23 says, A man has joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season, how good it is. A word spoken in due season. Every one of us needs some encouragement. Your children need a good word spoken at the right time. Proverbs 16, 24. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb. Sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. There's a time which, just like you want to feed your children good food to build their bodies so they're strong, able to resist all kinds of of infections and diseases, Well, folks, you want to make sure you also feed their spirit, feed their soul with pleasant and encouraging words. I'm sure many of you have read the poem, perhaps heard it before, written by Dorothy Nolte. The first part of the poem looks at children who suffer under the hands of those who beat them down, and the latter part with those who encourage them. If a child lives with criticism, he learns to condemn. If a child lives with hostility, he learns to fight. If a child lives with fear, he learns apprehension or to be apprehensive. If a child lives with pity, he learns to feel sorry for himself. If a child lives with ridicule, he learns to be shy. If a child lives with jealousy, he learns to feel envy. If a child lives with shame, he learns to feel guilty. But... If a child lives with tolerance, he learns to be patient. If a child lives with encouragement, he learns to be confident. If a child lives with praise, he learns to be appreciative. If a child lives with acceptance, he learns to love. If a child lives with approval, he learns to like themselves. If a child lives with honesty, he learns what truth is. If a child lives with fairness, he learns justice. If a child lives with recognition, they learn to have a goal. If a child lives with sharing, they learn to be generous. If a child lives with security, 
He learns to have faith in himself and those about him. If a child lives with friendliness, he learns the world is a nice place in which to live. Next is accountable. And children have to be taught to be accountable for their actions. If they do something wrong, do you as a parent make them acknowledge their error, their mistakes? Listen to Proverbs 19 and verse 19. A man of great wrath will suffer punishment. For if you rescue him, you will have to do it again. Solomon is talking about a man who learns to be angry and express that anger. And he says, if you get him out of that trouble, you're going to have to get him out of it again. Let me tell you, parents, if you don't hold your children accountable for their actions, don't be surprised if they come along and they're not accountable for them again later. Proverbs 28, 13. He who covers his sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Some people want to sweep everything under the rug as if there were no mistakes, to be ignorant or blind to them. Proverbs 14, 9 says, Fools mock at sin, but among the upright there is favor. This idea, well, you know, young people, they're just going to make mistakes. You've got to let them sow their wild oats. We're not going to hold them accountable. Parents who do not teach their children to work are not helping to prepare them for life. Nor are those who deliver them from accountability. I'm going to tell you personally, when I was growing up, if I got in trouble at school, I was also in trouble at home. But I can't tell you how many times I've heard from some of our good teachers here who teach in our public school system to say that whenever they have to correct a child, you can expect these parents of those child to come and say, what did you do to my child? As if it is not their children's fault, it's your fault. If you're not teaching your children accountability, you're not teaching them the Bible. Next is acquaintances. Our choice of friends can have a major impact on the direction of life. When you go to the book of Proverbs, chapter 12 and verse 26, I think Solomon just puts it very plain and very clear. The righteous should choose his friends carefully, for the way of the wicked leads them astray. Choose whom you will associate with. Make sure you don't associate with the wicked. You go to chapter 13 and verse 20 and he says, He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. You walk with wise people, you will be wise. You hang out with the troublemakers and you're going to be destroyed. 1 Corinthians 15:33. Paul puts it simply, Do not be deceived, evil company corrupts good habits. How many children have you seen in this life make association with bad friends and then the goodness that was a part of their life seems to just disappear? In Proverbs 1, verses 10 through 19, 
Solomon describes a scenario that his children might find themselves in. And he says, here's the way you respond to that. He said, my son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie and wait to shed blood. Let us lurk secretly for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them alive like Sheol and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all kinds of precious possessions. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Cast your lots among us. Let us all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your foot from their path. Now that's not the end of the reading. But I want you to see this before we move on to the next portion of this. They are saying in verse 11... Come with us. Join in with us. We're going to be a gang. What are we going to do? Verse 12, 11 and 12, they're going to kill somebody. They're going to steal what they have. We're going to have one verse. Solomon says, don't do that. So you go on to verse 16. For their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. Surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird. But they lie and wait for their own blood. They lurk secretly for their own lives. So is the ways of everyone who is greedy for gain. It takes away of the life of its owners. He says, you know, many of these people who go out and they do these things, he says they find themselves being the ones that's hurt. I don't know how many of you have heard recently about this thing that's going among many young people, particularly up north. It's called the knockout. And they walk up to unsuspecting people and they hit them real hard in the head and the idea is to try to knock them out. One of these young men tried to do that the other day and he got shot. And you know, you think about that. That's, that sounds awful for a young person to get shot. But sometimes these people who think that these things are cute and, and neat and fun and that no, there's no danger in it. Oh, but there is. Parents should make sure their children have good friends who will help them. I would suppose that most of us can look back and name somebody in our lives who helped us tremendously. When I was in the third grade, Brother Jesse Phillips moved to the Bethel congregation where I grew up. He had three children. One of them was my age, David. From the time they moved there until I graduated from high school, David was my best friend. David now preaches for the Redland Road congregation in Montgomery. It's very possible had David not come, I might not be preaching today. I really believe that his influence has a tremendous impact on who I am and what I do. In Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen, Solomon writes, As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friends. You need to find People for your children who will make them better. Who will make them 
into good young men and young women. And the last one is adornment. In our generation, parents are failing to guide their children in proper clothing. And I know I'm preaching this in the middle of the wintertime when everybody's bundled up. Maybe this lesson should have been preached in the summertime. In Proverbs 7 and verse 10, Solomon writes, And there a woman met him with the attire of a harlot and a crafty heart. Notice that phrase, the attire of a harlot. What kind of clothing was she wearing or perhaps not wearing? Was her dress, was her clothing alluring? Was it, quote, sexy? You know, when you think about that, a Christian young man or a Christian young woman, our children ought not to be dressed with the attire of a harlot. Paul would write Timothy and explain the things that he was to teach, and he said in chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, in like manner also that the women adorn themselves with modest apparel, with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing, but which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. Paul wanted the women to dress in a modest way, and he said what you need to be emphasizing is something like godliness. Teach your children to seek appreciation for their character, for their intellect, their intelligence, and not for someone to look at them as some sort of an object in their body. The truth is, parenting is a tough job. If you don't believe that, ask any parent, and they'll tell you it's not easy. And they began with the fact that you wish you had a user's manual. The truth is, you do. That user's manual is the B-I-B-L-E. It's the Bible. It tells us about the nature of children. tells us what those children need. It teaches us how to guide them, to correct them, and to love them. We have to learn where to get good advice. Years ago, Dr. Spock was the one that many listened to. Oh, he's got all of the, the latest trends in child rearing. That's where the no spanking came from. But listen to Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Then you can enjoy the blessing of a good family. I think it's nice when you read such passages as 3 John verse 4, where John writes, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. You want to be a happy parent? You want to be a parent that enjoys life? Look at your children and see them succeeding in faith. 
and you'll find a successful parent. Proverbs 10 and verse 1, A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is grief of his mother. Now, I would dare say that all of us as parents feel that we have failed many times and in many ways. But what you find is you do the best that you can with the Word of God and you will find success. One of the greatest passages that I think I have studied in the Bible is Luke chapter 15. When you see a parent like the father of the prodigal son, and he sees his son make a grievous mistake, but his eyes are always looking, always waiting for that prodigal son to come home. Do you realize that God's like that with us because we are his children? And the truth is we do from time to time greatly disappoint our Father. But He's looking. He's watching. He's wanting us to come home. It may be here this morning that you are a Christian and there's sin in your life and you know you need to correct it. You need to respond this morning and ask God's forgiveness. And we as your brothers and sisters will encourage you and pray with you and for you. If you're not one of God's children, you can be a part of this wonderful family. You believe in Jesus. Repent of your sins. Confess your faith in Him. And then be baptized. We'll help you do that. If you need to respond to the Lord's invitation, come as we stand and sing.